Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shock Talk Podcast. My name is Andy Mitz. I am joined today by Steve Fetch and Mike Plank. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey. Yeah, we're here. All right. Well, Mike, I know you and I talked on uh, last Friday's episode about what we thought was going to happen in the uh, the game against Ohio, and I think it probably went worse than I was expecting. What about you guys? Do you guys think that that went as, like, even worse than it could have been, or, or was there at least something positive to think about after that game? I mean, there were a few positive things, but uh, the defense was as bad as expected. Um, and I don't know. I'm one of the few people, on, even on our side, that is not a fan of Bender. I, I know Fetch has the opposite opinion there, but uh, I just I, I just don't get the Bender hype. I, mean, I don't know, Fetch. Maybe you can help me out here. Uh, I mean, hey, it's not that I think he's like the best quarterback in the world, but as far no. as uh, you know, as far as him being I mean he's, he's pretty far down as far as issues uh, on the team, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, I agree with that, yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't think uh that they would win or anything, but uh you know, one thing that I was a little hopeful for was you know, there's there's no doubt that those guys on the back end and the secondary are are more athletic than last year and I think you could probably say the same uh, for the linebackers, especially with Deneen being back. So I thought that, you know, Ohio being a little bit more run-heavy of a team, um, I thought that they could at least, you know, maybe hold them down a little bit because there's not really a lot of, uh, you know, coverage and, and whatever else. I thought they could just kind of do, you know, fly to the ball carrier type stuff. But uh, holy cow, was that bad. I mean, just, again, just, you know, simple routes uh, that would go for huge chunks of yardage. Uh, real simple run plays that would go for huge chunks of yardage, uh, and and the tackling was just horrific. 
So, I mean, I, I don't even want to think about what a Big 12 team uh, is going to do to them. So, um, I, I didn't think that they would win the game, but I definitely thought they would look a little bit better than that. Yeah, just a couple of points there real quick. Um, I don't know where the, the myth got started that Ohio was like a run first team. Um, last year, they were probably one of the most balanced offenses in all of college football. And they pretty much returned the same team this year. So they, they made a lot of games last year where they, you know, the run game got shut down a little bit and they immediately turned to the pass and picked it up like nothing was, was, was going on there. So, um, yeah, I, I know that Mike and I kind of talked about how that, that's how uh, Jesse Newell had made his prediction, you know, that, that, that they were going to get that win against Ohio was because they were a run, a run first team, but that really just right. isn't true. So, um, the other thing I'll, I'll kind of weigh in here on Bender, you know, I made the comment um, over on Twitter during the game, you know, someone made a comment about how, how, how can you tell if, you know, or that, that the Meacham isn't really a, a good, or the way that they put it is that Meacham isn't really showing us in, on anything on offense. And my comment to that was, well, you can't really tell because the offensive line hasn't let us run anything other than QB run like hell. And I think that's what we really saw <laughs> was just the fact that, you know, our offensive line didn't give Bender any sort of chance to really run any kind of play. He's a pocket passer quarterback. If there is no pocket for him to pass in, he's not going to show you anything. I think we kind of all knew that coming into this, this season. And I don't think anybody expected it to be this bad. I mean, you can say any, everything you want about his pocket awareness, but he can't have any pocket awareness if there's never a pocket for him to get set up in. So, um, yeah, that's definitely not his strength is, is running like hell whenever he has to. And so I'm not necessarily too concerned about Bender's play at this point. Some of the picks were just because he's been pressured so much and he hasn't had any kind of opportunity to get set up and actually make good throws. Um, I, I can't put that on him. Obviously, I wish he could show us more, but I can't put it on him. I got to put it on that offensive line, you know, being like Swiss cheese. There's absolutely nothing he can do back there because he just doesn't have any time. All right. Well, let's uh, stop dwelling on the game. Obviously, we've kind of set our piece on, on the site. I think everyone has at this point. The main topic I want to talk about tonight um, actually kind of ties into what you wrote today, Fetch, on the site, talking about the replacements for David Beatty. I think before we get into any of the actual candidates, I think it's a fair question to ask at this point. Should we be looking to move on from David Beatty, or should we just pre be preparing ourselves for if this season goes as bad as we think it's going to be, that maybe potentially you move on later. So is it, is it now that we're looking at potential candidates or should we just be ready for at the end of the season? If you know, we don't win another game that maybe we'll move on at that point. I'll go ahead and start with you. Fair. Um, I, I mean, either way, I guess I, I don't really see the harm in, in getting rid of him now. Um, but I think if they get rid of him now, they can't have Clint Bowen be the interim guy again. I think you got to get rid of him too. Um, you know, if you want to wait until the end of the year and, and see if, you know, maybe they can, I, I mean, I don't even, I feel silly even like suggesting this, but see if they can turn it around uh, a little bit in conference play um, or who knows, maybe, you know, you, you pick up some recruiting momentum or something like that. Um, I mean, I guess that that's, you know, fine, but I would also be kind of, you know, putting a bug in the ear of, of some candidates for taking over for next year as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, 
Mike, I, I know you and I kind of had this discussion that if we do move on from David Beatty, that the very first thing you have to do before that is fire Shane Zinger, which I think I think everybody's kind of in agreement of that, that we don't want Zinger anywhere near another football coaching hire. Um, so, but are, are you kind of in the same boat there that you're willing to give Beatty just a little bit more time in this year? Um, or are you thinking we need to be looking at candidates like right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to give him more time. Um, and, I mean, any athletic director, I don't care if you're Shane Zinger or, you know, the, the, the Alabama athletic director, any AD needs to have a short list of coaches ready to go. And, uh, you know, for one, I don't think we have that. I mean, well, I guess he probably does. But, I mean, are they all wide receiver coaches from the SEC? Um, <laughs> but but uh, I, I do think that uh, you have to get rid of Zayer before you can get rid of Beatty. Um, just, if nothing else, you have to get somebody in uh, who, ideally somebody who's not been involved with the program before, somebody who can come in clean, come in fresh, uh, you know, fresh eyes, take a look at everything, evaluate everything on their terms, and then say, yeah, Coach Baby's not cutting it. we got to go a different direction. Because, you know, not only does that make sense, but you can also sell that to, you know, a fan base or donors or, or whoever you need to sell that to. You come in and say, look, I did my own evaluation. I, I got in this farm, and they came to the same thing. You know, whatever you want to do to make that determination, do it. But uh, uh, I definitely think you need to, you, you need somebody who can come in who has a plan, who has a vision, and uh, <laughs> who knows some good football coaches. Because uh, you know we're we're what over three, over four on our last football, our last few football coach hires. So uh, you know it's 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 time for a change all the way around. But I think you have to start at the top. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. I think I can also agree with the fact that regardless of who Zinger has on his list, I don't want anybody that's on there. Um, you know, given his track record in picking people and the fact that, you know, it sounded like most of the people that everybody thought would be a good fit weren't even on his radar the last couple times around. I just don't know that I can trust him to be involved at all. So, yeah, I definitely agree. We, we probably need to, to think about moving on. The question then, of course, becomes the timing of it. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into the list that uh, Fetch put together for us. And, and I did see his, his, his comment that he's planning on, you know, updating this as we move along and as people uh, either show more reasons why we should move them up on the list or even, you know, adding new people. Um, but Fetch, I, I think of the people on that list, is there like maybe one or two guys that really stands out to you as obviously other than, than Chip Kelly? Because um, I think everybody's kind of agreed that he's like the home run hire if you could somehow get him to come. Are, are there like one or two guys that maybe aren't, you know, high on the radar that you think would be good fits here at this point? Well, yeah, I mean, if, you know, if, if we're talking about guys who, um, you know, I guess I, I group these into a couple of different categories. You know, the guys who would be like absolute no-brainers. Um, obviously, Chip Kelly's not coming, you know. Um, right. I think we can – I'll say that, but yeah, there's, there's kind of, you know, I think, um, the guys that I'm looking for are, um, you know, guys who have had some head coaching experience if possible. Um, but you know, I I think you could get a, a good coordinator as well. Um, 
I think it just depends on what you're looking for. You know, are you looking for a guy who is uh, going to come in and, and maybe turn the ship around in, uh, you know, two or three years and then maybe leave and then you can get an older guy. I know, uh, I know Mike uh, is looking at like a Butch Davis type um, who I guess I wouldn't be like totally against. I don't know that I want someone that late uh, in their career, but you know, someone uh, who could come in and, and write the ship quickly and then you'd be attractive to the next person. Um, or do you want more of a, a home run type? You know, I don't really think that the uh, thought process behind hiring Beatty in the first place was that bad. I mean, yeah, he's a, you know, wide receivers coach and stuff, but like uh, if he hits, you've got a good head coach for cheap. You know, so I, I don't really think the thought process is wrong. It's just you got to be willing to move on for it once you realize he's not the right guy. So, um, but anyway, to, to answer your actual question, um, the one guy I've kind of come back to over and over and over again is Jeff Munkin at Army. Uh, you know, he turned Army from, I mean, it was obviously uh, a horrific job. Um, but he, you know, went to a bowl game last year. Uh, which is kind of unthinkable. Uh, he ended their big losing streak against Navy, um, which, I mean, you know, Navy's not Ohio State or anything like that, but they're, they've are they been a pretty solid program. Um, so, you know, their coach, Ken Niamatololo, is another guy who I've kind of looked at. Um, and I think, in, in, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this, you know, more and more down the road, but I think there's, you know, potentially some value in, in getting a guy who runs uh, an offense like that, um, you know, you don't need a triple option guy, but uh, something that's a little different from just being, you know, like I always say, the eighth best spread team uh, in the Big 12. But um, actually, you know, one one final guy that I want to mention who I really like um, is Joe Moorhead, who's the offensive coordinator at Penn State. Um, he won almost 10 games a year at Fordham. And uh, Fordham is uh, an amazingly bad FCS job. Uh, so to, to do that there is, is pretty incredible. Um, he spent basically all of his time in, in the Northeast. Um, he worked at UConn before that. So, you know, you don't know if he's a, a geographic fit. You don't know if he'd even want to come to the Midwest, but I think he would be a, a great hire. Um, and then one last guy who's, a guy who, you know, we always kind of talk about around here is Ed Warner, who, you know, called plays for those KU teams back in the glory days. Uh, he called plays for Ohio State. Um, you know, he was their co-offensive coordinator. Um, he's now the offensive line coach at Minnesota. And uh, there's been some talk that his star has maybe, uh, you know, dampened a little bit, but um, he certainly knows offensive line play. And I mean, I think that that's probably the quickest way to, to get from where we are now to, to get to respectability. So I think we have some good skill guys. It's just that the lines get worked over every game. So um, those are kind of the, the four or five guys who are at the top of my list. I don't know if you guys have any, you know, thoughts on that or any, you know, guys that you really like or want me to expand further on any one of those guys. Well, real quick before we move into to, to other guys, Ed, Ed Warner, I mean, what was it that caused him to kind of be, I guess, looked over for a lot of other positions? Because, I, I mean, I hadn't heard yeah, anything that kind of happened that, you know, he, I mean, I didn't hear about him, you know, being really bad at play calling or anything like that. Just all of a sudden he was out at Ohio State and is over at Minnesota. I'm not really sure what happened there. Do you know? 
Well, so he, you know, he interviewed for, uh, for quite a few jobs. Um, you know, he was a finalist for the army job. I think it was, uh, I think it was when Munkin got it. Um, but in any event, uh, you know, yeah, he's interviewed for, for a few jobs. I don't know if he's just a bad interview or what, but, um, I do know, uh, from talking to a couple of different people that he was kind of the other finalist, uh, with Beatty this go around. And, uh, he, he wanted the job really bad. Um, and I've also heard that a, a big part of why he didn't get it, uh, was Zanger insisted on Bowen, uh, being there and, and Warner didn't, you know, I guess wanted to go a different direction. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you can't really, you can't really blame him. Um, and I mean, how, how good can a coach really be if, you know, your athletic director is trying to foist him on your head coaching hire, you know, so that should be a red flag right there that he's not good enough. But um, that's, from my understanding, though, that's the big reason why uh, he didn't get it this time around. I think, you know, obviously the the salary thing, I'm sure, is part of it, too. I actually don't know what Warner's making right now, but uh, I have to imagine it would have been um, a step down to go from offensive coordinator at Ohio State to, you know, making 800,000 or whatever Beatty was making right away. So, yeah, um, I, I guess I'm a little confused. I guess I'm a little confused as to why he went from offensive coordinator at Ohio State to now offensive line coach at Minnesota. Um, I mean, is it just that they decided they needed one because he was co-offensive coordinator at Ohio State, if I remember correctly? Um, I mean, is it just that they decided they had to pick a guy and he was the odd man out and he decided to leave, or was there something that actually happened that made him? kind of lose that spot. I, I just, do either of you guys how happen to know? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm pretty friendly with some Ohio, Ohio state people. So, I mean, I can, you know, probably ask around and, and get an answer, but you know, he was co-offensive coordinator with Tom Herman, uh, who's now obviously the head coach at Texas. Um, and if I remember correctly, um, Warner was calling plays and then he wasn't anymore. Um, and he was just kind of co-offensive coordinator in title only, uh, and also the offensive line coach. So I don't know if he moved to Minnesota just cause he, you know, got mad at Urban Meyer for taking his play calling duties away or, uh, you know, if he, um, just wanted to work with PJ Fleck, which it sounds like, you know, PJ Fleck's a, a better guy to work with than Urban Meyer. Um, but for whatever reason, yeah, he, um, I think a lot of it had to do with, with him uh, losing his play calling, um, yeah, um, whatever, duties. Um, but I, I don't know, to be honest with you. All right. Well, yeah, I, I think we can all agree that if, if they decided to, to kind of correct that and, and, you know, hire Warner this time, I don't think anyone would, could possibly complain. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at his uh, – his bios at the various places he's been to, and they consistently mention about how when he was um, the offensive coordinator at, uh, here at Kansas, you know, he had uh, the nation's second highest scoring team in 2007, uh, set school record by averaging 479.8 yards per game. You know, so talking about all the, the huge accomplishments he had offensively while he was here at Kansas. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. It was a little strange that he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't get it over, over Beatty, but, if there were that, those kind of stipulations, I don't blame him at all for moving on. 
and not taking that position uh, with, you know, being forced to keep particular coaches that he didn't necessarily think were the right ones. So uh, I was going, going back to uh, Warner real quick at Ohio state, just a quick Google search. Um, It just kind of looks like uh, at least this article that I found um, that, that uh, he was, he was in what, what they term a clunky offensive play calling system with, uh, Beck and Urban Meyer. Well, I guess that's Tim Beck probably and Urban Meyer. And that after their 31 zip loss to Clemson last year, that there were uh, several staff changes at Ohio State. And uh, he wasn't necessarily part of that. Like it's unclear as to whether or not he was asked to resign or if he was encouraged to find a new job or something like that. But PJ Fleck targeted him and and knew he was pretty much available and went out and, and got him on staff at Minnesota. So it looks like he mostly left voluntarily, but that looks all, it also looks like there was some pressure from Ohio state for him to find other employment. So, so it looks like yeah, he, that, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that would make sense. I mean, that, that performance in that Clemson game was horrific and they, you know, they're not that much worse than Clemson. So, right. Uh, right. And, you know, I guess one final thing, too, is, you know, I'm I'm up here close to Minnesota, and I have a lot of friends who are Minnesota fans and everything. So um, I don't make it a habit of watching every play of all their games, but I definitely peek in and, and you get highlights and stuff. So um, I've definitely watched enough gopher football over the years. And you watch them play in their line is, I mean, it's already better than it has been the last couple of years. And they're, you know, they look a lot more competitive and stuff. And, I'm sure the bulk of that credit goes to PJ Fleck, but you know when you look at the way the lines playing now versus versus the last couple of years, I mean it's it's hard not to give Warner some credit for that too. And um, it's not like they're you know raking in the recruits either, so it's not like they're they're just that much more talented than Kansas is. So um, I don't think he would turn Kansas into like a top you know five or ten line in the country overnight or anything like that. But I think he would turn it into one of the better lines in the big 12, at least, which is a huge step up from where we are right now. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's a lot of young talent on that offensive line too. I mean, it would, it would be almost perfect. Right. Getting them at, at just the right time that he could actually make a difference in how they develop. Right. Um, and then, you know, obviously identifying his own offensive line talents that he wants to bring in. I think we can all agree. Yeah. It, it would definitely be a great move and it would help with the off with, with the line. And obviously, you know, we all have ha- had this discussion many times in the past. The line is kind of the basis of how you build your football team. So, yeah, I'm definitely all for something like that. All right, let's go ahead and um, uh, move on at this point then. Uh, and, unless you guys had any other, you know, coaching candidates or any other coaching issues you really want to talk about. I think the the next thing to kind of really discuss is what was the big culprit for that embarrassment we had. Um, on Saturday, which is uh, the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it does it is is it does it take anything else other than saying that at this point, I don't see how Bowen survives the year. Well, I think you, I mean I think he's going to survive the year because I don't. I mean, Beatty's not going to uh, fire him, and right. I mean I don't. You know, I don't know if like the higher ups are going to get rid of him, um, but. I don't think you should have a job beyond this year. I don't think you should have a job, you know, five <laughs> years ago. So I mean, the sooner they can get rid of him, the better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's, it's saying something really bad when I'm envying the Missouri football team, because I really wish that we would have done what they did and fire the defensive coordinator. 
I mean, I don't think it improves things right away, but it allows for improvement in the future, which is something we haven't seen, I guess. Well, I mean, I, I don't even know that you can make the argument that it won't improve anything right away. I mean, obviously, we don't. I don't know that we know enough about the rest of the staff to say who could step in and immediately improve this defense. But we have seen how just how bad the scheming is, and a lot of that falls on Bowen. Bowen has said in the past when he was, you know, when he was the interim head coach, he said that he was still doing all the defensive scheming. I mean, he is definitely his his fingerprints all over that that defense, and so. I mean, I just don't know how it could get any worse. And I would have to think that if we get Bowen out of there, someone's going to have to come up with something. And these guys that we have on defense are, are talented enough, like athletic enough, that if they're even put even somewhat in the right positions, they're going to make plays most of the time to at least keep it decently respectable. Um, yeah, there were a lot of missed tackles, but, you know, I've, I've come to find working – at the lower levels and, you know, talking with a lot of my high school friends, like coaches that, that work with coaching staffs at the high school level, that a lot of that can be taught. A lot of that is on how you, how you teach that in practice and how you do all of that just on a day-to-day basis. So the fact that they're having so many problems is at least somewhat of a reflection on the, on, on the defensive coordinator and, and, and the coaching that they're getting. Um, and from everything that I've heard from Bowen, you know, he has a huge hand in how all that works. So, I have to think that if we were to get rid of Bowen sometime in the next week or two, that we would probably see at least some sort of improvement. I don't know how much that improvement would be, but it, I mean, it definitely can't hurt at this point, I think. Well, I mean, you just look at the, you know, you look at the talent they have on the defensive line. I mean, preseason big tall player of the year, uh, you know, Daniel Wise is consistently graded out as even better than Armstrong uh, on that defensive line. Um, and they just, they didn't do any, really anything against Ohio. I mean, it's like, you can, can, you can't, um, scheme those two. You shouldn't be able to scheme those two guys out of the game, uh, as well as both Ohio and central Michigan did. Um, and then also on top of that, be able to just pick apart the secondary. And I mean, I know the secondary, uh, is young and stuff, and I can kind of empathize with the fact that it's probably tough to, you know, take a couple of JUCO transfers and, and a guy in Mike Lee who should be a freshman this year. Um, you know, Bryce Tornadin didn't really play a lot last year. So um, I can certainly empathize with the fact that, yeah, it might take them a little while to, to come along, but, like, it looks like those guys haven't ever even played football this year. I mean, Mike Lee looks worse than he did last year. Granted, he doesn't have fish right next to him. Um, so I'm sure that hurts him a little bit, but you know, uh, there's been basically no improvement yet. And I mean, we're kind of at the time where we should start seeing a little bit of improvement, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would think, I mean, we have what three, maybe four guys that would start for most teams in this conference. If you those three guys and Jordan, maybe, I mean, uh, they've got talent on the defense. I just, why is it not being utilized effectively? Yeah, I mean, I think if yeah, I forgot to even mention Dean, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, if I mean, if you look at the defense, there's three guys who clearly would start for pretty much every every defense in the league, at least. Which now Big Twelve, maybe that's not saying much since they're not really known for their defenses. But I mean, I, I have to think that almost every team, well, every, every team in college football, I think, would want guys like Daniel Wise, Dorrance Armstrong, Joe Deneen, and would put them in their rotation consistently. I mean, even, you know, powerhouse defensive 
uh, teams. And so I mean, we've got guys that have talent that you can build a defense around. We just we don't have anyone that can build that scheme that you need to fill in the, around the rest of the defense to make it respectable. And, that's, and they're not being put in a position to succeed at all. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up the – I'm trying to pull up the stats that Denise had in this last game because, I mean, you know, the first two weeks, Joe Denine was on the pro football focus, you know, all college defense for those first two weeks. And, you know, seeing him fly around during that game against Ohio, I mean, I unfortunately I ended up watching most of it. Um, I actually wasn't home for the first part of it, and I went ahead and started back over when I got home to actually watch it, um, which was not a good move on my part. But – you know, Deneen was still making plays like crazy. I would not be surprised to see him be on that all, you know, that all college defense for the third week in a row, which obviously, you know, still playing, you know, MAC teams and SCS teams isn't necessarily saying a lot. Um, but just the fact that he was able to consistently show up there means that he, you know, he's definitely one of the more talented defensive players in the nation right now. And we're just completely wasting that at this point. So it's just extremely frustrating. And it's it's either that or other teams are using three or four blockers on two guys on Wise and Armstrong, and that's freeing up the need to make plays too. So, or maybe it's a combination. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of both because it's not like he's getting, you know, all of his big plays are in the backfield where he's just coming through on block. He's fighting off guys. He's making plays on the outside when they're trying to run to the outside and, you know, beating guys to the corner and a lot of stuff like that. So it's not like he's just, you know, taking advantage of other guys getting double or triple teamed. He is definitely making a lot of plays himself. But I I do agree that, yeah, he's probably getting somewhat of a boost because there is so much attention on Wise and Armstrong up on the line. Um, that's probably helping him a little bit, but it's not like he's just, you know, mopping up all the leftovers and, and uh, taking over that way. So any other thoughts on our defense or, or any of the other coaches on the staff at all guys? All right. Let's go uh, ahead. Not, not unless we can have an intermission so I can like throw up before having to think about this. defense. <laughs> yeah. We're not really uh, doing the breaks anymore on this season. So uh, we'll just move on. How's that? <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. All right, all right. So I guess next topic is going to be somewhat football related, but uh, you know we've we've had this discussion before, and and again, Mike and I talked about this somewhat on Friday. But um, now that we've had the abysmal performance from the football team that we expected to have, uh, is it about time? I, I know we've kind of sounded the call a little bit. There's a Facebook group that's, uh, or I'm sorry, I guess it's a, a GoFundMe account that is setting up to try to get some uh, money raised for getting materials to promote the firing of Zinger. I mean, and I'd like to kind of go through and talk about, you know, why is it exactly that we feel that Zinger needs to go at this point? Um, you know, I, I'm going to try to pull together my thoughts and put out an article probably Wednesday or Thursday, but this is a conversation that a lot of people are having. And uh, we've all kind of expressed our frustration with the Facebook fans that uh, comment on our, on our Facebook page that either don't, don't understand that we're talking about Zinger and not Beatty, um, or just don't see the need to make a change at this point. So I, I want to kind of get your guys' thoughts on this. What is it at this point uh, that makes the strongest case for that we need to get rid of Zenger immediately, like as, as soon as we possibly can? I'll go ahead and oh, I, you. I have this right yeah. here. Go ahead, Fetch. So <laughs> uh, I, just have, I just have one simple question. Would you trust him to hire Bill Self's replacement? Absolutely not. 
I mean, that's, that's a hundred percent. Well, not a hundred percent why, but like, so I don't think, you know, the average fan kind of realizes what all an AD does. Um, I don't even realize what all an AD does. I'm sure, you know, and uh, yeah, he's done, you know, some good things. I'm sure he was a big part of getting rock chalk park built, which is really nice. And, and all that, and um, certainly has been able to get uh, football donors to pony up some money. Granted, it's mostly for like buyouts for terrible coaching hires, but whatever. Right. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm sure he's done uh, a reasonable job at you know fundraising and whatever else. Otherwise, he wouldn't have the job still. But you can't give him another opportunity to, to hire a football coach. I mean, to be honest with you, you shouldn't have gotten an opportunity to hire David Beatty after hiring Charlie Weiss, which is like the dumbest head coaching hire in maybe college football ever. But, um, and I don't mean to sound like a, a cliched Kansas fan valuing basketball over football, but um, frankly, I'm not really a, a huge football fan as it is i mean regardless of whether kansas is really good or not like i definitely support them and stuff but um it's pretty obvious i like basketball just as a sport more than i like football um but i i just uh i shudder to think who he would hire to replace bill self i mean there's only you can only screw up so bad um hiring a kansas basketball coach but uh as we've seen with you know billy gillespie at kentucky and um um, Matt Doherty at North Carolina, you know, you can definitely screw up at those places. So I, I don't want him to go hire, you know, Mark Turgeon or someone like that oh. and, uh, you know, turn the basketball program into garbage. Um, oh boy. So I think we should get rid of him uh, as soon as possible. Now, devil's advocate there is that, you know, there's no real expectation that, you know, in the next year or two, he's going to be hiring the replacement for Bill South. So, that's you true. could make the argument that, well, you let him ride out, you know, whatever's happening with Beatty. If, if you if you say that it's too early to move on from Beatty because he hasn't had a chance to establish his program. I don't personally subscribe to this belief, you know, to, to this thought process. But if that's what your argument is, well, then it can't hurt to let Zinger stay on until Beatty finishes that, that you know, that, that cycle there. And we decide we definitely need to move on at that point. Um, what would you guys say to that or mindset? Mike, go for it. <laughs> the, <laughs> I don't have any idea how to respond to that question. <laughs> well, um, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I kind of have my own thoughts, but the, the fact is that, you know, and kind of to speak to Fetch's point, the, the job of the AD is essentially three different things. Uh, the, the three main things the athletic program or the athletic director is supposed to do is do the, you know, the fundraising and facility, which Zanger's actually done a really good job at, I think. Um, which, and, and I do agree with the fact that that is probably the may, only reason that he has been kept on at this point. Um, the second thing, obviously, is hiring staff for all, the different, uh, for, for all the different sports. But if you think about it, the only real, you know, coaches that he's been involved in hiring are the women's basketball coach, who is not doing well at all. Uh, and the football coach. The other programs we've had coaches that have been entrenched since long before he was here. I mean, Bouchard is, you know, for, for volleyball has been here. I'm, I don't remember the exact number, but 20 years, 20. Okay. I was thinking it was like yeah. 19 or 20 years. Right. Um, 
you know, the soccer coach has been here. If I remember right, he's been here for eight years. Um, I may be wrong on that, but I know it's been quite a long time. Uh, and obviously Bill Self has been here, you know, for a really long time too. So he had absolutely nothing to do with those, with those coaches. And those are the, the programs that are performing well at this point. Track and field, I believe the coach for, tra- for track and field was here. I mean, they've won a national championship in the last few years here. Walzinger was here. But again, he had absolutely nothing to do with putting those programs in place whether they are. Um, and so he, you can't really say that he's been successful at all in any of the sports that he's been involved with in, in hiring that staff. The only other thing that, he, that the athletic director does is helping to run the day-to-day in terms of helping to facilitate, schedule, to facilitate scheduling, you know, the, the logistics of getting teams from, to, from one area to another. They have director of operations to kind of help with that for each of the individual sports, but he does kind of help to oversee that. Um, and so logistically, I mean, it's not like he has been crucial in getting any high-profile non-conference matchups or anything like that. There's nothing that he's kind of put his, his footprint on there. And so, so if you're evaluating him based off his performance, everything that he's touched that he has a direct link to has been an absolute disaster at this point. Um, and so, so he really does not have anything to really hang his hat on. The, the fundraising for the football, that was directly because of the Texas win, which we've all agreed was a, just a complete out of nowhere. We had no business winning that game. There's, even, you know, there's been discussions uh, on previous podcasts about how that Texas win is probably actually going to set the program back just because of what it's meant for staffing on, on, on football coaches and, and the AD and everything. Um, but you know, everything that he's been able to be successful for was either already coming, there was already talk about building a standalone soccer stadium and getting rid of the track and things like that, you know, in, in Memorial Stadium. A lot of that was already in the works before he got here. He just was helping to push it along the finish line. Or it's been the direct result of happy accident. So um, there literally is no major accomplishment that he can point to that says, I should be the AD because of this. Yeah, I don't. Did you mention the softball and baseball teams? Because those coaches both predate Zinger as well. So, and those programs have had limited success, but softball is getting better. And uh, I mean, baseball is just. I mean, right. Never had good baseball teams. Softball <laughs> and baseball, of course, have kind of moved back and forth. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had a pretty good baseball team. I mean, they went into the NCAA tournament, played pretty right. well. But again, I mean, it's not been sustained success, but you're right. Those both predate Zinger. So any success that they did have, um, you know, he can't take credit for. And honestly, if it had been the other way that they've been pretty bad and we still haven't gotten rid of the coaches, well, then what does that say about Zinger in terms of, exactly. his, you know, uh, keeping his coaches accountable? So, uh, I mean, I think that those, that those coaches of those programs have been good enough to keep their job because, you know, regardless of what you think about those particular sports, they're not a focus of any of the major Power Five conference universities um they're good to have good to have performing well but those jobs aren't probably going to move the needle when it comes to an athletic director keeping his job anyway so right well some schools they will but not not here i mean you yeah. know the lsu's the the True. south carolinas the texas is like they they i think they put an emphasis on baseball but i mean they're not going to well, but they're not going to fire an AD over it, if that's what right. you're trying to say. Right. If, if they have a, a good, a really good football program and a right. you know, lower-tier baseball program, well, they're not going to fire the AD because he couldn't find a good baseball coach. Right, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, you know, at this point, I think just going over what Zinger has done, and I haven't pulled it together. I wanted to go look at the different, uh, the, the, the different records of the coaches he was 
directly responsible for hiring and all of that. And I think I'll put that in together in the post, but I think it's sufficient at this point to say that there's really nothing on his resume that, that warrants keeping him around, um, you know, any longer, especially if, if we've kind of all gone, come, come to the conclusion that Beatty is not the guy. Beatty may hang on for another year or two because of, of contract situation or whatever you think, you know, would prevent us from moving on from him. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Zinger needs to stay on. Well, and here's the thing, though. Aren't they getting ready to announce a big stadium renovation for the football stadium? Uh, I, well, mean, I think that they've announced it. They just haven't given details. Right, that they're getting ready to release the, the plans or whatever. They told us back in, what, uh, June or July that they were going to release some plans in late September or early October. And here we are, late September. And, um, I mean, that stuff should be coming out just pretty soon. Uh, you know, I just I just wonder if, you know, because, I mean, everybody has a boss. If, if Zinger's bosses uh, are hesitant regardless of the state of the football program because of, uh, you know, the donations that he has, has secured. I wonder if there's any, I wonder if there's any relationship there to that. Yeah. I would have to say that I hope not, but I can't put it past them. The, you know, the other, I guess the other thing you've got to think about too, is that Zinger did just get an extension um, from the previous chancellor. And the new one hasn't been in place for very long. I don't know how quick he would be to, to kind of move on at this point. Um, since ultimately he is the one that decides, you know, who to hire for the athletic director position. Um, so that may be something else that kind of helps Zinger to stick around a little bit longer is that his direct boss is brand new at the position and may not be willing to kind of upheave everything again so quickly. Um, which I guess is kind of unfortunate for us fans because we've had to, you know, deal with Zinger and him, his uh, performance for the last seven years here and not really get much better. So, all right. Any uh, final thoughts on that, guys? This is another topic that makes me want to throw up. Yeah, I don't blame <laughs> you. I was hoping we'd have something else to talk talk about. I forgot to send out the call for uh, uh, for Twitter Q&A today before we got started, but. Um, how about we turn to something a little bit happier and, uh, Fetch, I'm going to let you go ahead and just jump in here. We've done your, uh, you know, your cricket minute, your hockey minute, your tennis minute. Did you have another sport or, or maybe even an old one that you wanted to jump into and kind of talk about? Oh boy. Uh, well, um, I am currently watching, I mean, this is, uh, not very, um, uh, very niche here, but I'm currently watching the. Uh, Minnesota Twins poop their wild card hopes down the toilet. Uh, so quick, quick baseball minute. Um, American League only because National League Baseball is inferior. But uh, basically, we're down to like the final two spots in the uh, in the wild card race. Um, Astros have clinched the AL West. Indians have clinched the AL Central. Uh, looks like the Red Sox are going to clinch the AL East. Uh, and it kind of looks like the Yankees are going to win the first uh, wild card. Uh, so we are at uh, the Twins and the Angels. The Twins currently have a two-game lead over the Angels in the uh, second wild card spot. And I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a, a mailbag question here. Uh, do you guys like this uh, like little one-game wild card thing, or do you like it when there was just one wild card team and then they you know got into the actual 
playoffs right away. Mike, I'll let you go first. Oh, boy, can I? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I admittedly, I'll admit I was against it at first. I was like, uh, you know, I'm, you know, old school, you know, baseball guy or whatever. And, uh, you know, of course I disagree with Fetch on the American League and National League thing, but we'll, we'll save that for another time. And, uh, but, uh, so yeah, I, I didn't like it at first, but, uh, I do like the fact that at least one of the wildcard teams gets sent home after one game because, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's too many wildcard teams making the World Series for my liking. You know, Ike Marlins won it as a wildcard team. And, uh, well, shoot, didn't the Royals win it? Or the Royals made it to the World Series as a wildcard team right. in 14. And, I mean, I don't know. I just, there's just something about if you can't win your division, why should you get the opportunity to play for a championship? I mean, it's, it's never made sense to me. And, um, I mean, it's exciting. It's good for the sport. It's good for the fans. But, I mean, I think it also hurts teams at times, too. Like, I'll bring up the Royals again this year. You know, they, they tried to make a run at it instead of trading off pieces, and they ended up falling flat on their face in August. And, and now here we are. They're getting ready to lose three or four big free agents, and they're just going to be terrible next year. They're not going to have anything to show for it. So, uh, you know, it can, it can hurt. And it may even cost Dave Moore's job. I don't know. But, uh, you know, so it, it's definitely added an interesting dynamic to the sport. Uh, into the, just the game as a whole. And uh, I think it's definitely driven interest. I think it's definitely increased uh, money. Uh, not that the owners needed more money, but there you go. And uh, I mean, I, I think it's turned out to be a good thing, but I, I still, I still don't really like it. But I mean, you have to do something when you have an odd number of divisions in each league. So. Yeah, I think I'm going to disagree with you completely. I like the fact that there's the wild card. We've talked, or I mean, I've talked with people in the past about, you know, just how unbalanced the league schedule can be. And so when you have one division winner that can run away with division, um, you know, and you can have someone else close close on their heels, you know, so so two teams that are winning 90-plus games that are in the same division, um, and there's another division where the guy, you know, they're barely at 500, how is it fair to have those two teams that are so hot and are playing so well have to fight off for a single wild card spot? It's the same kind of argument we've had with the NFL where you have, you know, like an eight and eight division winner that automatically gets home field advantage. I'm sorry, a, a home game in the first round of the playoffs going against a, you know, a 13 and three team that ha- happened to be in another division with another team that's 13 and three, and they get stuck going on the road in the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the wild card, definitely makes it more exciting this year. If we didn't have the two wild cards, you know, this wild card race would have been over probably a week and a half ago and nobody would really care about the, the end. I mean, all, all we'd be looking for right now is playoff positioning for four teams. Um, you know, it's, it's kept more teams kind of in that playoff race. And, and actually the year that the Royals uh, in 2014 made it as the wild card and went to the world series, the giants were also a, a wild card team. They were actually the second wild card team and went on a run to beat the Royals in the World Series to win the world to, to win the World Series at that point. So I mean we've definitely seen teams come from the wild card. I think it's similar to like the wild card runs we've seen from the New York Giants and in, in, in the NFL. You know, I just think it, it adds a lot more excitement. 
uh, it definitely gives a lot more teams an opportunity to get into the playoffs and give us that playoff excitement of, of anybody kind of being able to put up a good performance and then win their way to a championship. So I'm definitely all for the, the uh, wild cards that we have there. I, I don't like the one game format. I, I kind of wish it would be a best of three. Um, or maybe, you know, even some of the, the crazy things that I've seen where it's like a best of two, but the, but the, uh, or, or basically it's, it's, it's a best of three, but you only play two games and the home, the first wild card gets a win to start out or something crazy like that. Um, that would potentially make it a little bit more of an incentive to get that first wild card than just having to play on the road. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely like it. Uh, should be interesting to kind of see how the playoffs play out this year. Um, I just looked at the standings. I, I thought Cleveland had actually pushed into a higher or pushed more of a lead over the Astros for home field advantage. Um, but, you know, it's kind of hard to see anybody kind of overcoming Cleveland at this point with how hot they've been. Not saying that it's not going to happen. We saw that, you know, the year that the, the Royals pushed to the World Series there in 2014 uh, with the Angels being one of the hottest teams in the world went in and swept them. So, it's really easy for momentum like that to turn in baseball, but you know, it also kind of to come back to the original question, I, I do think that that wild card spot has made it a lot more interesting, uh, especially as we get towards the end of the season. All right. Well, anyone else have any uh, final thoughts that they wanted to share before we end for the night? I want to throw up. <laughs> oh, I will uh, do my best grad <laughs> imitation. <laughs> Fire Zanger. <laughs> oh, you forgot the hashtag. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Couldn't have Grant here with us tonight. I know he actually wanted to be on this episode, but he has got some uh, some stuff going on personally that prevented him from being here tonight. So, um, actually, I have, I have I have one more thought since we're talking about we're we're openly like advocating for the firing of people. Uh, there's definitely going to be some some people who you know do some uh, concern trolling and say, oh, you shouldn't be you know happy about people losing their jobs and stuff like that, but. Uh, let's remember that all of these people are uh, obscenely wealthy uh, by comparison to, you know, the average person. Uh, And so you should not feel sorry for any of these people, even one iota. Um, And, you know, if, if you don't want to get fired for sucking at your job, uh, don't go into coaching or athletics. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of even the more important point is that we need to hold people accountable. We, we, we talk about how we want, you know, pub, public figures to be held accountable um, and kind of have to, to be answering to the people that they represent. And if we're not going to do that with our college athletic, you know, employees, then is it really, I mean, are we really, are we really, um, you know, advocating for the kind of program that we really want? You know, I actually saw that. I was looking at the, the Facebook page comments. And there was a bunch of guys that were saying, well, how can you, you know, how, how can you not support the program when they obviously need our support so much? And I'd like to just kind of make the point here. Um, I tried to make the point on, on the Facebook page, but obviously that doesn't go very far. But to make the point that by calling for the accountability within the program, we are advocating for the Kansas Jayhawk program. Um, to kind of go on a little diatribe here, the fact is, if we don't hold the, the leaders of our athletic program accountable, they're never going to have that incentive to make it improve. Um, like you said, they, they are very well paid for what they do. And so 
they should also be held accountable and, and we have to demand the kind of results that we want to see. There was a guy that said, you know, no matter what, he's going to ride and, and die with his Kansas Jayhawks. And I have to agree with that sentiment that no matter how good they are, no matter how bad they are, I am going to be rooting for the Jayhawks no matter what, every single time they go out to play. But I definitely would like to be doing a whole lot more riding than dying because of how horrible the performance has been. We have to hold these guys accountable. We have to, you know, ask that, that they do everything that they can to improve the program. While we have to be reasonable as fans and give them the kind of support that they need, um, you know, and, and give, give them patience where it's required, Seven years is more than enough time for Zenger to to be at the helm and to be able to turn around a program. Um, and I don't think it's you know being disloyal or or being a bad fan or you know trying to trying to drive clicks or likes or anything like that to be calling for accountability right now at this point. So. Right, and nothing we do clicks or likes. Like I, I honestly don't care what people think of our opinions because you know what there are opinions and we're not you know we're not beholden to any athletic department or anybody else on what we write and that's the best part of our website i think is that we can be frank and we can be honest and we can do things like call for zinger and i i mean i'm i was stunned to see tom keegan do it on the lawrence journal world i was just blown away but uh i i think that that's that's something that makes us uh, I don't want to say better than everybody else, but I think it's something that makes us unique. And I really like that aspect of it. And, um, I mean, we are in a unique position to, uh, I mean, we can't really hold them accountable, but we can, we can say, <laughs> you know, that we think that they're not being held accountable for sure. And I, you know, we don't have any pull with them. We don't, we're not big donors. We don't, uh, you know, nothing like that. So, uh, I guess I don't really know where I'm going with this in general, but uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's it's just how we feel. You know, we see a football program that is struggling and an athletic director that has hired two bad football coaches, and it's not getting any better, and changes need to happen somewhere. And, uh, you know, a change has already happened at the chancellor position, and now if we can just kind of get that the uh, you know, I guess, quote unquote, trickle down a little bit. Uh, we can start to clean house and, and maybe get some decent coaches in here and, and uh, you know, be proud of our football program again. And just to be clear, the change at the top had absolutely nothing to do with performance. They were, you know, oh, Gray Little had been the chancellor for a very long time and had decided it was time to move on, you know, did a very good job while she was up there. Um, so yeah, there's no complaints or anything like that. It was just time for her to move on. Unfortunately, I think the timing kind of uh, contributed to some of the issues that we're seeing now and how difficult it's going to be to, to kind of get the change that we think that we need at this point. So, but yeah, I mean, we definitely need to see that accountability, uh, within the department, um, you know, to the fans, to the players, to the administration, to, to kind of everybody there. We need to see that accountability there. All right, we'll go ahead and uh, leave it there at this point then. Um, hopefully we'll have some other more positive topics to talk about uh, in our Friday episode. We will be previewing, well, as much as we can preview the game against West Virginia. Um, not expecting that to necessarily be too happy of a conversation, but uh, we will also have uh, women's volleyball to kind of wrap up there. Uh, 
I, I'm sorry. Well, I, I believe that the women's volleyball team will be playing before our next podcast. Um, but uh, I think they open conference play on Wednesday. It's either, it's either this Wednesday or next Wednesday. I'm it might sure. be next Wednesday. I'm not seeing it here, here on the schedule. But we do have more from the women's soccer team. They actually open up conference play as well on, on Friday night against TCU. Um, so maybe we can work in some sort of conversation about that, although I'm not sure that I know enough about the soccer team. Um, but anyway, so uh, we will we will definitely go ahead and uh, and have some some sort of happier topic to talk about. Maybe we'll find a basketball topic to talk about on Friday. Um, and and of course, Fetch. At some point, we need to get talking about the hockey team. I know that last last season we had uh, an opportunity to kind of get in touch with some of the guys there. Um, never really materialized, but I'm definitely looking forward to trying to get someone from the hockey team on the podcast at some point to kind of give them some some much needed exposure. So. All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining me tonight. And for those of you out there listening, thanks for tuning in. Um, We will catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.